Hi friends, welcome to I Am Epiphany, where my guests and I share the epiphanies that come from our personal journeys. You will get to hear my thoughts on a wide range of topics from pop culture to social justice issues to simply navigating life as a Black millennial. I am your creator and host, author and speaker Bethany Epiphany, and it is my pleasure to welcome you back. So, where the hell have you guys been? I mean, we have a great time and then you don't write, you don't call, you don't text. I mean, is it me? It's me. I'm so sorry, you guys. It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you, left you without a dope beat to step two, step two. I'm sorry. My bad, boo. You know, life be lifing. And so much has been going on per usual with work and life. I have been so tired. So, so tired that I have not had the energy for my beloved podcast. Podcasting is work, y'all. Scheduling interviews, brainstorming topics, editing, I do all of that. I was going to continue during the last uh, month of summer. So, you know, August, I was going to come back. However, it was hot as hell, okay? And I do not have air conditioner, and I record at home. (laughs) So there was no way it was going to happen. Mama was cranky. Mama was tired. Mama was sweating, okay? Globally, We have all felt the deep discomfort of the increasing temperatures. We had a heat wave in LA that was unbearable. Like, I thought I was losing it. I went to the mall every day. Every day! Just to get AC. And this was like, what was it, Labor Day weekend? Or like a couple weeks leading up to it? No episodes were going to be recorded at that time. Y'all would not have gotten the best of me, and that would not have been fair to anybody. Um, And then, of course, I had work. Like, it just wasn't happening. However, in this new season, my energy is recharging. So let's do the damn thing. Let's begin. You know, as usual, I'll give you a quick life update. It'll be very quick. Um, so my neighbors and their dogs are still there, (laughs) but it's gotten better somewhat. Um, in a previous podcast, I mentioned that my car was stolen. And the stress that came as a result of that, like that was pretty much my whole summer, like, um, dealing with my stolen car and not getting a new one until like the end of summer uh well mama got a new whip she's a mazda cx30 with black rims and red leather interior god is good mazdas are cute i didn't know i had no idea uh mazdas are cute i did some research online before i went to the lot side note When I was shopping for cars, I don't remember if I mentioned this in the previous podcast. I really need to listen to the previous podcast. But 
When I went to the lot looking for cars, there were no cars, bro. There were no cars. There was talk of like a chip shortage and that was um, due to the pandemic and they didn't have a lot of inventory and whatever inventory came in, it got picked up really quick. People were on waiting lists. People were um, ordering their cars online. Originally, I wanted an electric car and those electric cars so expensive and I'm just like what you're charging me an arm a leg a thigh for this electric vehicle Ugh, it was it was so it was so stressful um but I just happened to you know be doing my research found the Mazda and it was such a stressful process and I'm so glad it's over so shout out to my Mazda. Her name is Sweetenin. Um, my mother named her. And we are riding dirty out in these LA streets. So thank God for transportation. Um, I'm working on another small book project um, that I will share more about in the next season. On a personal level, I have just been feeling the desire to create more. Um, I've been feeling the desire to create more, but I have also just been physically, mentally just tired, like, and just have been trying to regain energy. I have been focused on supporting other people's dreams and mission through the work that I do, which is really great work. However, I want to do more of what makes me happy. And I feel like that means diving more into the creative space and that includes this podcast I started this podcast as an outlet for myself I really didn't have a goal or prioritized gaining listeners gaining followers it was really just a space for me and it's nice to know that people enjoy it um and I want to just continue more, you know, exploration into the creative space. So that's where I am personally, you know, still trying to maintain a healthy work-life balance, which has been difficult. Um, this is one of the busiest times during work. So I've just been really trying to find that balance and maintain my, you know, spiritual practices and all that type of stuff. But again, diving more into some creative spaces. And speaking of creative spaces or artistry, I went to see The Woman King and I enjoyed it. Uh, The Woman King is a 2022 American historical epic film about the uh, Agoji. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing the name, uh, but the Agoji is the all-female warrior unit that protected the West African kingdom of Dahomey during the 17th to 19th centuries. So it's set in the 1820s, I believe. And the film stars Viola, Davi- Viola Davis as a general who trains the next generation of warriors to fight their enemies and who doesn't love Viola 
is Viola. Um, while the Agoji are very much real, uh, they existed for over a century. They also have inspired plenty of interpretations in pop culture, and perhaps most notably the all woman warrior squad, you know, in the Black Panther. Um, according to the Times, the Woman King marks the first time that a major motion picture in the U.S. has told the story of the Agoji. It also addresses the role that Dahomey played in the slave trade, although it glosses over the fact that the king at the time only temporarily paused the kingdom's participation in 1852. The historical advisor for the film, his name is Leonard W. I don't want to mispronounce his name or his last name. Um, and Leonard is from Benign and was born a mile away from the former palace. Um, and Leonard said that, you know, he believes the movie that, he believes in the movie that Dahomey is presented as a highly, highly sophisticated state in a modern sense with a standing army, with bureaucracy, with officials in charge of logistics, Leonard says it's not very surprising that something that extraordinary, like these female warriors, arose from these institutions. As a historical advisor, Leonard made sure that Dahomey was portrayed as a developed sovereign state rather than a stereotypical primitive tribe. The Agoji, of course, did not exist in a vacuum. Much of Leonard's research focuses on the social and political conditions within Dahomey that allowed for the rise of the elite women warriors. He said, you might see those institutions of women in isolation, as if it came from the sky or somewhere, but they are products of a social environment that enables women to do anything they want to do or they can do, including going to war. Uh, the sheer existence of the Agoji was an anomaly. European visitors refer to them as the Dahomey Amazons in reference to the all-female Amazon warriors of Greek mythology. Leonard himself observed progressive gender roles in the region. Growing up in Benign, he noticed gender equality all around him, from children playing together at a young age to mixed gender cultural groups to women's invo involvement in economic activities those inclusive gender norms date back at least as far as the Dahomey he says roughly anywhere from one-third to 40 percent of the whole army was made of women at its peak the Agoji included as many as 6,000 members but the Agoji and the Dahomey were not without complexity. In The Woman King, uh, Viola's character experiences firsthand the horrors of slavery and works to convince the king to stop participating in the slave trade. But as the investigative journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones pointed out, and Nicole Hannah-Jones um, is the creator of the 1619 Project. If you have not read that book, get that book. It is a thick thick book but it's like a black history book like um, that highlights uh, the african-american journey it's a really good book i have not gotten through it but 
for reference, it's just a really, really, really great book. Um, so yeah, shout out to Nicole Hannah Jones. Uh, but as was mentioned, Dahomey was, you know, complex. Five uh, percent of slave exports come from Dahomey, came or came from Dahomey, and it's a massive number of human lives. Um, if you're thinking about the total of rough, roughly, roughly, okay, 12.5 million people enslaved. Um, Leonard acknowledges that the involvement of the Dahomey Kingdom in the slave in the slave trade and the existence of the trade itself was a tragedy. He also acknowledges that multiple facets can be true and highlighted at the same time. A a society can be forward thinking and advanced in one regard while causing immeasurable harm in another. Um, So as I said before, I watched the movie with my mom and I enjoyed it. Um, A lot of black movies highlight our struggles and the historical and daily oppression racism that we have to navigate through and it was nice that this movie didn't feel like that it was nice to have a black movie that felt triumphant however the movie had its fair share of critics as all movies do And I'm open to hearing the various perspectives. However, sometimes, you know, the criticism of black movies, especially movies where black people are empowered, I feel like usually rub non-black people the wrong way. However, this particular criticism was from an everyday black woman. My friend sent me an IG post where this woman writes... I won't be paying to see this movie. It's an insult to black women. We are not men and we should stop accepting the role of being as strong as a man. This makes us undesirable and left behind to do everything by ourselves. No, thank you. I am a woman, not a man. And I certainly don't want to be portrayed as a man. As women, we have a unique strength. We are helpers of our husbands and families. We are to be desired, cherished, and loved. Anything less is not worthy of us. Mind you, this whole quote has exclamation points after every sentence and some bolded words, okay? So mama is upset. (sighs) Where do I begin? The only thing I agree with are the last two sentences, Yes, we are to be cherished, desired, and loved. Anything less is not worthy of us. I just don't understand how this movie like, is in opposition to us being desired, cherished, and loved. Sis, you didn't even see the movie. You know, like this whole comment came from someone who did not see the movie. To have such a strong distaste for something you haven't seen is baffling. Like, this movie, to me, is in no way an insult to Black women. Celebrating the strength of Black women does not disregard or deny or replace the strength of men. That's the thing. 
Both things can exist in harmony, not opposition. Both things can be true at once. Um, Both things can coexist at once. The older you get, the more you realize that two things can be true. And this comment about being undesirable, girl, like it's the same idea of two things existing at once. You can be strong and desirable. If a man finds a woman to be undesirable because of her strength, that is the personal problem of the man. And it's an even bigger conversation on how we raise men in our society to view and interact with women. It's like, as a as woman, as women, to be weak or weaker is desirable. And that a woman's strength is repelling, which is maddening. Just because I'm strong doesn't mean that I don't need you. But that's another podcast. That's another podcast. I understand the bigger idea of what she is saying in regards to how the strong black woman idea can be harmful because it can create the idea that black women don't need protecting or love, that we can carry the weight of the world without support, that we can endure more pain that somehow we're designed to endure more pain. It reminds me of Sojourner Truth's Ain't I a a Woman speech. And this was how black women were seen during enslavement. They were not bestowed the same nurture and care that was associated with white womanhood and were therefore subject to the cruelest of treatment, backbreaking labor, rape, torture, murder this cruel treatment this idea that black women don't need or deserve protection and love is still seen today i understand the bigger idea but sis your vitriol is misdirected and ignorant the woman king is not what you say it is We also need to have a conversation about why contorting ourselves to the desirability of men is such a priority. It's like your value as a woman is based upon whether or not men find you desirable, which I'll touch on later. And their basis for desirability is completely warped. But that's another podcast. Black women are human. Some days we are strong. Some days we are not. Um, Sometimes we show up vulnerable and deserve and need just as much compassion as anyone else. And I think the movie showcases black women in the full range of what it means to be human. And with that, we're going to take a little break and come right back. Okay, so we are back. Now, at the beginning of this season, I spoke about the journey to Hana or the road to Hana. It was about the exciting ride I went on while in Hawaii. 
and I spoke about how this season would focus on different journeys. Well, this month marks one year with my locks, and locks are definitely a journey. (laughs) October 2nd was my one-year anniversary, and I'm grateful to have made it this far. I cannot believe it's been a year. Before I got locks, I was what they would call a loose natural. I did the puffs and the braid outs and the twist outs and the so on and so forth. And I had a great time with it. I loved my hair. But I decided to get crochet faux locks, which I did myself. I was very impressed by what I did. Okay, I had my little crochet needle, got the hair from the beauty supply. And I did it myself. And I was like, okay, I really liked it. And my plan was to just take out those crochet faux locks and just put them back in. And I said, well, if I'm going to keep doing this, then I might as well get the real ones. Okay, I was looking cute. And our dear family friend, Andy Drew, started and takes care of my brother's locks. And he had been hinting at the idea of me getting locks for years. And when I told him that I was thinking about it, he was super excited. He was like, you know, just imagine like you can just go to Tulum and swim in the water and not even worry about your hair. He made it sound so tantalizing. And I'm like, okay. And this was in 2021 right before Omicron came busting through and he was like you know you can just let your hair lock you know while we're in the winter season while most of us are in the house because of the panini like and just let your hair lock up and I was like that's a good idea yes I will do it and when I got my locks I couldn't wait for them to get longer and thicker because when I got them you know my hair it just looked like thinner like um they just look small and so I was waiting for them to just get thicker and I forgot how much my hair shrinks so after washing it I was like oh my god the shrinkage where's my length because you know I didn't start off on short hair like my hair was you know down to my back I would say it was like past my shoulders so I had some length But it was month two and month three that were the roughest for me. I was like, what is my hair doing? I was learning my hair all over again and I didn't like that. I'm like, what is is going on? The relationship black women have with our hair is real. Like for example, my hair's name is Queen Sheba because she rules baby Sheba is thick and strong and and dense and nappy and kinky and she is she is mother Africa okay she is queen Sheba and yes essentially it is just hair but it's also an expression of our individuality our creativity and our history there's a lot tied into it there's a lot more involved than people of other culture may realize and during this second or third month I was feeling like 
I didn't know Sheba. And that made me sad. And doing my hair was also a big part of my self-care. And during this time, I wasn't really, you know, you, you wash it or you, you know, make sure my hair, my locks were moisturized. But, you know, every two weeks when I was a loose natural, I would detangle, I would wash, I would deep condition. It was just this whole process that really soothed me and calmed me down. Even till this day, like one, if I'm feeling really stressed out, in addition to like working out or moving my body, something that calms me down is going on YouTube and watching black women do their hair. I don't know what it is, but it's the the care, how detailed it is, the love that we express, you know, while while taming our mane or taking care of our hair, loving on our coils and curls, something about it just calms me down. And that soothing practice that had become a part of my self-care wasn't happening, right? I couldn't deep condition, right? Because my locks would come out and I had to develop a different type of routine with my hair and I still didn't know what that was and I didn't know what the heck she was doing. So all this is going on. So not only was I coming into this new understanding of myself, coming out of a a rough year, learning my hair, I also did not feel attractive. And I've never had self-esteem issues. I always saw myself as beautiful. But during that time, I didn't. At least not consistently. There were days when I thought, okay, like I look cute. And then other moments when that feeling quickly faded. I didn't think I was ugly, but I was like, I don't know if I'm hitting the mark like I used to. And feelings of insecurity that I've never felt before grew. In July, I went out on a date with someone and the date was fine. And afterwards, you know, he walked me to my car and he's like, oh yeah, we should do this again. I'm like, cool. And you know, we both went home. And the next day, he basically told me that I was a dope person and that he wanted to explore a friendship with me. And I was disappointed. More so confused because I couldn't pinpoint what went wrong. And I thought, well, maybe he wasn't physically attracted to me. And I felt down about it. Keep in mind that I have no idea why he wanted to be friends. There could be various reasons, but I attributed it to my looks. Keep in mind, this was not a blind date, okay? He already knew what I looked like before we hung out. So it just kind of speaks to the level of insecurity that I was navigating through. Towards the end of August, my good girlfriend and I went out to this rooftop party and we had a fabulous time like we always do. But this night was interesting. As a woman, when you go out, you're always prepared to get hit on because that's, it's just what it is. Like it is what it means to to operate the world as a woman. But I was getting hit on a lot like a lot, like even women were coming up to me and complimenting me. And I'm just like, what's going on here? 
After feeling the, the painful sting of rejection, it felt nice to be reminded for my beauty to be validated. However, later on, I was a little disappointed in myself. The range of emotion that I felt was a result of how men were responding to me. And I didn't like that. I never questioned my beauty before I got locks. How I felt about myself was never dependent on how men responded to me. I've always had confidence. I believed myself to be beautiful, but my confidence came from a deeper place. It's hard to put into words, but I've always felt it, that thing, that confidence. Perhaps it's the God in me. And I don't know, maybe it was also the combination of coming out of a difficult year and me trying to stabilize my footing that added to these moments of insecurity. But I'm so glad that I paid attention and that I caught myself so that I could check myself. What the lock journey teaches you what it taught me, what it's reinforcing in me is that no one else's opinion matters but my own. How I feel about me is what matters most. And I know, I know that that is a very cliche response and sometimes that is easier said than done, especially as a woman especially as a black woman, as a human being living in a world that glorifies a certain look, a certain look that is unhealthy and unrealistic, that includes hair, skin tone, weight, etc. You get all these messages on what you're supposed to look like and that can make loving yourself difficult but it's very possible. Oftentimes, it just starts with telling yourself that you are beautiful, which is something I do every day. Every day. You are reprogramming how you're speaking to yourself, how you're thinking about yourself. You're changing how you perceive yourself with your words. And it's a very powerful practice like just looking in the mirror and telling yourself that you're beautiful. So if no one told you today, you are beautiful. Not because you adhere to a specific beauty standard, but because you don't. The beauty is in the variety. You bring something that no one else can. No one else looks like you. No one else can be you. How badass is that? And I'm a baddie, okay? I'm a baddie. Not just because of the physical, not just because of what I look like on the outside, but because of the full package. I know what I bring beyond my looks. I carry and bring something much deeper and even more beautiful. I bring my light and you carry and bring your light.
I'm still on this lock journey. There are things that I'm learning consistently. I'm still learning what my hair likes. I'm still playing around with hairstyles. For the most part, I just wear my hair down and just rock it that way. But the journey continues. And this journey of self-love continues. Um, And I wish you all the best on your self-love journey also. And with that, my peeps, it is the end. I will catch you next time. Um, Until the next episode, stay safe. um, Be well. And I'm not going to take as long of a break. I promise. I promise I'll be back in a timely fashion. My goal is to have two episodes out a month. So every two weeks, hit you with the podcast. So please stay tuned um, and I'll catch you next time. Hey friends, thanks for listening. Please tune in every other Monday for a new episode of I Am Epiphany. You can learn more about me, Bethany Epiphany, at BethanyEpiphany.com or follow me on Instagram at BEPiphany. That is B-E-P-I-F-A-N-I. Until next time, everybody, peace.